0: Welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Kevin Kira. Marler, we have a special treat for It Just Meant More. Yeah, we do. A special egg-filled treat for It Just Meant More. (laughs) We have never done a game that was from anything sooner than 2014, if if I'm not mistaken. So we are doing today the 2019 Egg Bowl, the game that... I think if you are an average fan watching this game, you said, "Holy crap! This is the greatest rivalry
1: in the history of sports." I don't know about that. That's a stretch. Maybe Very that was unusual. just me. That was just yeah, me. maybe. Right. Maybe you got caught up in the moment. Yep. But uh, but yeah, it was it was incredible. <laughs> it's like I don't know, watching it, and you and you think of the fallout, and we'll get to all of this, obviously. But like this whole game, the 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 fourth quarter especially, but like because like, usually like the egg bowl is like super super exciting. And it it, it it always has some moment, it seems like it's like a back and forth. In the first, you know, quarter and a half it was it was nothing. And then it just became the egg bowliest of egg bowls. It was incredible.
0: It is the most egg bowl game in the history of the egg bowl. It's it's gotta be. Potentially the most impactful college football celebration ever. Yeah, is that fair to say, considering yeah. all the lives that were changed from this, from the Elijah Moore fake dog pee celebration, which we will get to. Elijah Moore got two coaches fired. <laughs>
1: I don't care how that sounds. And he got several I'm coaches
0: not... hired as well. So yeah, just a I mean, wild set wow. of
1: circumstances. Yeah.
0: Um, as we know, both coaches were fired after, uh, not directly after this game. Matt Luke's firing came three days after this. Joe Moorhead's firing came. Uh, About a month and a half. Yeah, probably like a month and a half after this game. But under very different circumstances, they were fired. Right. The Egg Bowl it was sort of fitting that we're talking about this game. And there's a reason that we're talking about this as an instant classic. And there are certain categories that we usually talk about with just meant more that we're not going to necessarily be able to talk about in the same sort of context. You know, we're not going to have right. our, uh, what would, you know, the Trent Richardson, I can't believe they didn't make it in the NFL because this game was just a few short months ago. But it feels like so much happened as a result of that. And both coaches getting fired for the way that this game played out one more directly than the other, yeah. is fascinating. And it's it's wild to think about this in this rivalry where you just feel like you've seen everything and then you get something like this to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, so when I watched it, you you put it best, like, like you feel like you've seen everything. Like, I've seen The Kick Six, and I thought that was the wildest ending of all time. But this was so different and for so many other reasons because because you could just see it all unfold. You could see it all unfolding. As soon as that kid <laughs> on all fours, just, I don't even know the right wording right now, but the- this It's like a bear crawl. Bear crawl over to the, the corner of the end zone. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, it's like watching a kid do something when he's not being, when he's not being like, like per, under parental supervision. You're like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And then he did. And then and you knew he was going to do it. And then like, you knew that he was going to miss that extra point. You knew that everything that was going to unfold afterwards was going to be a huge issue for Matt Luke. And I didn't realize what was going to unfold afterwards for your boy, Joe Moorhead, for what he said in the post-game press conference, but that ended up being a, a huge, huge issue. It was, I mean, man, just kids, don't pee on, on pylons or in the back of the end zone.
0: One would think that that would have been already ingrained in Elijah Moore's brain, but it seemed like a predetermined decision to do that. Yeah, when he got into the end zone that day, he was going to do the celebration that DK Metcalf made famous a couple years earlier. And by the way, he was also flagged for it. Right. The history of the Egg Bowl, going into this game, you need to understand that as well. And you know, this game, this this weird rivalry game with two teams that that just hate each other so much. But this game being played, yeah. this game being played on Thanksgiving as well, which has been a periodic thing in the history of this rivalry, not necessarily an every year thing, but it feels that much more important when it's on Thanksgiving because it gets a national audience. Yeah. And that was one of the things that was magnified about this game was that if this game (laughs) is just, you know, the middle rivalry week, uh, a noon game or something like that, an SEC network, we're probably not sitting here talking about it today. But because it was in prime time – I, wa- I I was basically on my feet for the last minute of that game, yeah, and, and just like just I, I did like I said I did not have a rooting interest in this game as much as I Joe Moorhead is my guy. I'll be honest when I tell you like. I, I just couldn't believe what was unfolding. And you're just standing there watching this happen. If you're on your feet watching a game, that's when you know it's been taken to the next level. And I yeah. couldn't help but stand throughout all of this as it unfolds, starting with that fourth and 24, basically all the way through the celebration and the missed kick and all that stuff.
1: I mean, if you're on your feet after uh, having Thanksgiving meal, like that says that's enough. It was in a win. Like that's, that's impressive. I mean, Usually, so I, this is this has been one of my favorite games since I was like growing up. And I remember there's been so many so many moments, but like this was like what we did on Thanksgiving. Like you watched the Egg Bowl, that was it. That was it. That was it. I remember. I remember this. One. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. It was uh, this one time we went to um, my dad and I at halftime of the Egg Bowl. We went to like a Publix or like an Ingles or something like that to get the last pecan pie uh, that they had available. And um, I remember was like we got hurry hurry back <laughs> to the Egg Bowl. <laughs> And it was, like, we got to the the fridge, like, where the actual, like, the pie was at, at the Ingles at the same time as, like, another family. And it was, like, both of us were reaching for it or, like, looking at us, like, who should have it? And I was, like, a nicer person. And my dad was, like, he just reached over all of us from behind because he was, like, coming up behind. Reached over all of us, grabs the pie and goes, we got to make it to the second half of the Egg Bowl. Sorry. And we just walked out with the pie. Just took that last pie and left and, and watched the rest of the Egg Bowl with it. So it's <laughs> a tradition unlike any other. It just um, brings out
0: the best in people. We can say that.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, it, like I, and I also think that you know, Bama and Auburn fans hate each other. And and, and I've always never really understood why. Like, I, I hate Auburn as a Bama fan, but, like, not really. Like, they, like their fans are always the more logical and, and nicer people than Bama fans anyway. Y- you heard me say that. That's fair. We can we can get Will Yep. get a clip of that. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, like, Ole Miss and Mississippi State fans, like, hate each other. Like, they hate hate each other.
0: I've said this before, and it needs to be said again as we're going to talk about these two teams. They literally made up a trophy just so they wouldn't fight at midfield in the 1920s. Like, that... I can't emphasize that enough. The whole reason that the Golden Egg was created was so that they wouldn't fight anymore because of this brawl that broke out in 1926, and they're like, hey... We should probably figure out a way. Well, to make take it these, easy here, yeah. guys. <laughs> Let's
1: take it easy. Chill. Let's <laughs> chill.
0: Uh, it used to be the battle for the golden egg. Changed to the egg bowl in 1978, and it basically happened because the Clarion Ledger ran a spread with that name because Mississippi State was playing to get into, or no, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Neither of them were were going to be eligible for the postseason. They were they didn't have enough wins to be able to do that, and so this was like their bowl game. So they just came up with this name. And then it has caught on ever since. So for the last 40-plus years, that's been the case. Just such a unique rivalry, though, in so many ways. (laughs) And to watch these teams interact, it's special. And I did not fully appreciate it until I started writing about SEC-related things. But it's must-see TV every year.
1: Every year. Every year. And, like, you know, again, there are rivalries that don't like each other. You'll see, like, Miami-Florida State is a good one, Like where it seems like there's going to be a fight all the time. Not like this, man. Not like this. This is... Man, they hate each other. Like, they just really hate each other.
0: Before we dig into all the other details about this just one of a kind game, Marler, our friends at Bet Online, have you won any poker with them in the last, uh,
1: any money playing poker in the last 24 hours? Uh, I placed in two tournaments last night. So, yes. It's been, it's been a rough stretch, other than that. But, yes, it's been good. I still got my check uh, that's already been delivered in the bank for me. Uh, go to betonline.ag today. Um, like I said, so it's the easiest setup. It's the easiest cash-out imaginable. You just go in there. Uh, they'll take a debit card, which a lot of places don't do. Um, it's pretty awesome. So, you know, you can go in there, deposit some money, figure out what to gamble on. You can, If there's not sports on, like we've talked about, you can bet on Malaysian t- uh, table tennis. Or, think, or maybe it's just Malaysian tennis. Hmm. I'm not sure. My friend Tyler Hook, he got, he got deep in the game on some, some uh, Malaysian tennis. I'll say that. Um, but you can also set up stuff to play. Uh, they have a they have simulated Madden games, um, and if that doesn't tickle your fancy, get on over to the poker tables like I've been doing. Play some poker; uh, it's real, a lot of fun. It's real easy. BetOnline.ag today. Now let's talk some egg bowl. The directors.
0: Oh man, this is very personal for both of us. <laughs> the head coaches in this <laughs> game.
1: <laughs> do you remember the night? Do you remember the night this game happened? And I was trying to, I was trying to do my Matt Luke impression. Oh, Matt Luke! Oh, Matt Luke! Head coach, Ole Miss football. Um, and I was outside trying to crack an egg with my bare hand, and I couldn't do it. So it just the egg just kept. I don't know why. It was I thought it was really funny.
0: Poor Matt Luke, because poor Matt Luke. Fans, I realized going into this game, were ready to be done with the Matt Luke era. And yeah, what you got to remember is the Ole Miss job essentially hadn't come open since 2012 because. He took over for Hugh Freeze and the fallout and the escort stuff and all of that. But right before this, he got a vote of confidence from Keith Carter, the newly hired athletic director at Ole Miss. Fans wanted him gone, but fans were kind of hoping at this point, ah, if they could find a way to keep the assistance, that would actually work out pretty yeah. well. But his firing... After this game, which we didn't necessarily foresee because of that aforementioned vote of confidence, right? it was so weird because in today's college landscape, the thinking is every day that you know that you're going to fire a coach and you don't is a wasted day. And right. Matt Luke was on the road recruiting as he was fired on not the Friday, the day after, but he was fired on Sunday, three days yeah. after this game was played. And the fallout of it, if you remember, you had half the team threatened to quit in, right. in this clearing ledger story that's just like, holy crap. Like Jerry and Ely's walking out of the meeting. Yeah. You can't have a team without the players. And you're like, what in the world is going on in Ole Miss? Obviously, they go on to hire Lane Kiffin. Keith Carter redeems himself. But the circumstances surrounding Matt Luke were were strange and the results of this game played a massive part in that.
1: Yeah. Who are you talking about? Don't Matt Luke? I'm talking about Matt Luke. Matt Luke. Don't want Matt Luke. Hey, coach homeless football. God, I missed that. Um yeah, that was weird, man. It sucked too cuz he, he like what was unfair about all that was that he he really had a tough go of it in terms of what he was able to do and what he was allowed to do um from the restrictions that were put in place p- from the the administration before him. 2
0: years that he had a bull ban. That was the first time in 2019 in which Ole Miss did not have a bowl band. The problem was, okay, he's an offensive-minded head coach, and he made the bold decision to go out and hire two former Power 5 head coaches in Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre. But, oh, by the way, you've got the least experienced offense in the country coming back yeah. in 2019. And I said repeatedly throughout the year, that Ole Miss was my favorite bad team to watch. Yeah. They're, I mean, and you didn't watch them back in this game, a game in which they only had 20 points. I still loved it. And John Rice Plumley was bottled up in this game, but Matt Luke's team was he not... He Yeah, he, had, he had definitely had a bad game, got into the end zone a couple of times, but still. Matt Luke's team was not as bad as the record indicated. Now, for people like us who are sitting there, we can have a, a perfectly normal reaction to that. The yeah. problem is... A fan who is watching this unfold and it's another season without a bowl game and you're ending four and eight and everybody is all of a sudden making you the butt of the joke, for Ole Miss fans, no. yeah. I think I think it just hit them in a different sort of way. Not saying that Matt Luke got what he deserved necessarily, yeah. but that was sort of the mindset from from fans and how they felt about this coaching staff.
1: So my issue with that is this. And and, and Ole Miss fans, y'all need to listen up. And I, I had this heart to heart with South Carolina fans earlier last season as well. But y'all need to get over yourselves about the, the Matt Luke thing. Because the people that were so pissed about this, you're coming off the heels of the best stretch you guys have ever had in program history because you cheated. Like, you don't get to sit here and, 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 and try to, like, rub elbows with the big boys and like, in the, in the actual, like, perennial powerhouses of the SEC or the country and then sit here and say, like, yeah, that's where we should be, that's where we should be. No, like, you guys are a great story and you're fun to watch. But, like, Matt Luke was building the program the right way. The only reason you had success before this is because your coach was cheating, and he was doing it in, like the most despicable way possible. He was getting escorts and and hookers and 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 like that. Let me write that down. Make sure. We yeah, make to, sure to, we actually <laughs> get that bleep this time. <laughs> and and stuff like that. And then coming back and having like like the next morning posting something about like a, a tweet about about his favorite Bible verse. So it bothers me that Matt Luke got such a, a not a raw deal because he he didn't do a great job per se, but like. The fact that these these fans were this mad and thought they were like this entitled to having him leave and, and be like like because we we've built like this program of success. No, you hadn't. No, you hadn't. He was he was like on his way to doing so, in my opinion. So we'll, have, we'll
0: have more on on your boy a little bit later. My boy. Talk about your boy. My boy, Joe Moorhead. A year earlier in this game, he sort of had his welcome to the SEC moment. Got into that verbal altercation after the game. Ole Miss Deputy, Deputy AD Michael Thompson was at the center of this. And Moorhead was caught on camera saying, I'm the one trying to defuse the situation, not their big mouth f and AD. And if you recall, because last year things got a little bit hostile. They had that fight at the end of the third quarter. It kind of poured over into the postgame celebration. Thompson apparently called an MSU player a thug. That game was just bananas of course fittingly and and, you know right it's the egg bowl because it's the egg bowl aj brown jonathan abram jonathan abram were involved in this tussle if you recall and then matt corral came flying in oh yeah with his helmet with got his helmet pulled off i mean just brown and abram punched each other with their helmets on why people do that i I don't get that yeah i don't don't get that the refs called an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on the entire teams it got a laugh from the crowd it was great yeah, it was so great. I forgot I mean, Willie mean, Gay great was also. The best way to put it, but yes, it was. It was fitting. I should <laughs> entertaining. say. Entertaining. Willie Gay yeah. also got tossed in that because that's kind of, let's let's be honest, that's the Willie like Gay does. way.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what was weird, real quick? I want to say this. When we were watching the uh, the draft, and they had those like sob stories and like terrible, horrific things about every single person. Willie Gay, they they refused to say that he punched somebody.
0: Yeah, like, did everybody knows. That? Everybody
1: knows. They, they said, yeah, like... like uh, he had an altercation with a with a player where he... They may have gotten into a fight and it was like, no, dude. Like, he, like what? You haven't held back on anyone else.
0: Punch Garrett Schrader in the face. It's out right. there. It is yeah. out there. Joe Moorhead needed this one. There are rumors yeah. going in about his job security moving forward. There was the, the awkward moment that John Cohen, the AD, had on Feinbaum where it just did not look like a guy who was really confident no. in his head coach. And... If you recall, his post-game presser, Moorhead's post-game presser after this, <laughs> was freaking electric. It was, was awesome. It? <laughs> he he was on a different kind of level. He had this adrenaline-filled press conference
1: where he said, there's no doubt that he'll be back. And why don't you say the quote? That's my team. That's my team. Uh, that's my team. It's my locker room. You're going to have to drag my Yankee ass out of here. Which, I tell you what, I know we had different thoughts on this, but... They did. They did drag his ass, out, his Yankee ass, out of there because, and I get that he had to face this whole tough thing about like having to be a Yankee from the outside and all that kind of stuff. But when you get when you escape a game like this and then you try to add fuel to the fire by saying stuff like that, like bro, I know he's your boy, but like if you you won because somebody tried to take a fake pee in the back of the end zone and missed an extra point, you don't get to you don't get to dance on the graves of, of that team after after like, escaping with a win like that.
0: Is now the part where I defend Moorhead for for saying that?
1: I mean, that's what most of the podcast was for the last year. So go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm not gonna.
0: I'm not gonna say that he met expectations in 2019. He didn't. He'd be the first right. person to tell you that. This comment, though, and we, I, I went on a bit of a rant about it at the time, and you know, I've shared my displeasure with being like being called the Yankee. It's like being called an yeah. outsider all the time. I get it frequently. I mean, I'm I'm not um. I'm not, you know, exactly new to that whole thing, even though I've been down here for five years, like that, that just comes with the territory. And when you look differently, when you talk differently, you just sort of get that. Moorhead in year two, after he wins this rivalry game, where if he had been told in his mind, look, this is what I need to do in order to keep my job, he's riding high. He's feeling good. He just watched yep. his his fans celebrate shake their cowbells like crazy and go nuts Ooh. after winning a rivalry game for the second straight year. He just made sure that he's going to a bowl game. Mississippi State is going to a bowl game for the 10th straight year. That's a program record. Obviously, he was only there for two of that, but he wasn't the guy to ruin that per se. Right. He's feeling good and he in that moment when you have all that adrenaline going, you just never know. You just never know and maybe he could have that if he could have that comment back. Yeah. Maybe he would. But I don't think that comment was distinctly what got him fired. We'll get to more no. of that later.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was what distinctly got him fired. I just think that when you... There's a difference between, like, saying, like, like being called a Yankee and also then trying to outwardly, ex- like, act out on on being different. And when, he, or when you're in that situation, you know you're skating on thin ice because what you've done has is, is been nothing. You've, you did nothing. Again, and we talk about this. We don't have to get into the whole Moorhead thing, but, like, you don't come in here saying that you're gonna put trophies on mantles and you need to get your ring size fixed yep. and all that kind of stuff. And 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 I know he he went back and said that was a mistake. Yeah, you're damn right it was a mistake, dude. Like Mississippi State, I told you what was gonna happen two years ago. They were they were an eight-win team, they're an eight-win program. That's what they were. And and that's what proved to be the like what happened. So it just I thought it was just kind of dumb on his part to to be that blatant about it. Um, but you know, he made he made a mistake and, and that's what happened. I, I still think he's a great coach. I think he's a great offensive mind. Uh, this maybe just wasn't a great fit or it just wasn't a great time for those comments.
0: Probably. And uh, his, his future took a a very weird turn in the, in the month after that. I don't think he or anybody, anybody close to him quite saw coming. The, the A-listers in this game, Kylan Hill, Mississippi state running back who at the time of this game was leading the sec in rushing Lynn Bowden, ultimately won that title. Kylan Hill really wasn't able to play at all in the bowl game. In-state kid just down the road in Columbus. And Moorhead had relied on him so much in the ground game yeah. throughout the year. And he has had to change. If you think about what he's going to have to do this upcoming season with Mike Leach. <laughs> I still don't get it. Talk about a transformation I mean, that that kid has had to go through. He lost 15 pounds after his freshman yeah. year basically just to be able to play in Joe Moorhead's system and what he was going to be asked to do. I mean, this is a kid who's committed to Dan Mullen's program and is now going to be on his third head coach. Right. And I, I think that, that Kylan Hill, and I'll have more a couple more thoughts on him later, but was so important in a game like this, mm-hmm. 27 carries, and, and really was the driving force. You know, Mississippi State finds out before the game that Tommy Stevens isn't going to be playing. That was kind of par for the course. The, the, yeah. That wasn't maybe the biggest surprise, but Kylan Hill was the guy that they had to rely on. And without him, that team's not getting to six wins.
1: There's no, no way. no. And it's, I mean... There, there wasn't, there weren't that many games where it was like, man, if this would have gone our way, we would have won. No, would they have didn't have, have been like an eight win, yeah. Which wasn't, they did wasn't have the, that in 2018, but not in 2019. Right. This was just a flat out like, yeah, we're a six win team, yeah, like barely. Um, and, and Kylan Hill thing. Yeah, it was weird because like I, I believe John Rice Plumlee was the SEC leader in in rushing touchdowns, wasn't he? I
0: think Clyde edwards lear ultimately won.
1: Oh, that also makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So either way, it was it was just it was kind of like a, an odd thing because, he, you know, you're looking at this guy who was supposed to be the, you'd think, the, uh, I don't know, like the, like the clear-cut best player on the field maybe. Um, didn't have a huge impact that much in this game. Kyle Hill had
0: 132 rushing
1: yards in this game, but okay, didn't get into
0: fair. the end zone.
1: Didn't um, get in the end zone, yeah, yeah. That's a better way to say it.
0: Errol Thompson, the linebacker for Mississippi State, the captain on this team. Just so good moving sideline to sideline. He was tremendous yeah. on this day. 13 tackles. He had a tackle for loss. He had, a, he had that forced fumble on the first drive, too. I mean, mm-hmm. that guy just makes plays all over the field. Blowing up oh, Jaron Ely. Yeah. I mean, he is so important. An amazing thing to have coming back in the middle of your defense as well for Mississippi State. Yeah. Jaron Ely, the guy that he blew up. Five-star recruit. Everybody knew about him coming out. Number one recruit in the state of Mississippi. Everybody in the SEC is trying to get him. Clemson's trying to get in at the last minute. Mississippi State was desperately trying to flip him. But this was kind of the first major splash for Ole Miss in the post-sanctions era in terms of Mm -hmm. a recruiting get, a big-time recruiting get after the cloud had sort of shifted away. And to be able to hold on to him was – it was tremendous, and so you find out for for Ole Miss as well that, in addition to him coming to Ole Miss, you also survived the Major League Baseball draft thing. Yeah, and he wasn't taken as high as maybe he thought he was going to. Bless you. Um, but he plays he plays for Ole Miss as a true freshman, and he I, I thought he was every bit as good as Ole Miss fans could have hoped for.
1: Yeah, agreed. He um, yeah, he like I mean he he was impressive for most of the year, I think. But uh, this game. It I thought you were gonna go in a different direction. To this when you said this was like his big their first biggest splash. This, this seemed like it was like his first real moment, welcome to the SEC moment for for Jerry Neely. Because he I know we played LSU. the entire season. LSU he was sure, really but good like too. This, this one, like where he had to overcome adversity and, and stuff that he like he was not having a good game.
0: No, he was not. And you know, thankfully for Ole Miss they had several key rushing options available. Another yeah. one of those options. John Rice Plumley, a guy who we've talked about in this podcast a lot. Local kid. Hatties from Hattiesburg. Um, they compared him to Brett Favre, and I just hate that comparison it's so he's from much. Hattiesburg? Yeah, I hate that so much. Not a fan of that. Did they said on the broadcast, I couldn't be wrong. This is a detail that it's, they slipped under and I wasn't entirely sure about, and I've never heard this before. So if I'm ignoring something big here, I apologize. They said Matt Luke is cousins with Brett Favre.
1: I have no idea. Is that real? Uh, Come on, I, Brent I, Come on, I'm talking about Brett Favre. Talking about Brett Favre, quarterback, Green Bay Packers. Come on now, Southern Miss. <laughs> Come on, man. You're talking about Southern Miss. Uh, you talking about uh, head head quarterback Southern Miss? <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. I, miss, I just I missed that whole. I missed the Matt Luke thing too, and I just I still cracked me up because it was like, I think I had the whole impression. I woke up at like 6:45 for some odd reason on a Saturday because it was football, but I woke up even earlier than usual, and he I just heard his voice. And I just kept going. On, Matt Lee, Matt Luke, head coach, Ole miss football. <laughs>
0: anyway. John Rice Plumley was not particularly good on this day, and that's Oof. a credit to the Mississippi State defense who just had such a great contain on the outside, really contained on the edges. And they, they dared him to throw at, at many key yeah. points in this game. People forget about this. Former Georgia commit, which people remember that. Georgia asked him to blue shirt. What's a blue What's shirt? That? Yeah. Oh. They, would have asked, they were asking him to pay his own way in year one, and he wouldn't have arrived, wouldn't have been able to come on campus until August. So essentially what happened was Georgia had uh, an injury that they didn't account for, and so they were yeah. over their scholarship limit, and they're like, hey, let's see if this could work. Now, whether or not they asked him because they had targeted Dwayne Mathis as well, I, I don't know exactly how all of that unfolded, but interesting move for georgia i just i
1: tell you what i tell you what i I don't think he's a better quarterback than jake Fromm, and he wouldn't have done a better job last year but once again once again georgia fans please tell me how you defend if you're a blue chip quarterback coming out of high school how you defend going to kirby smart and having him tell you he's gonna do the right thing for your career go ahead
0: i didn't i didn't tell you i actually had a, a column that was inspired by this shameless plug uh, related to Jamie Newman in that whole dynamic yeah. and seeing him in the first rounds of mock drafts and why the the pressure on Kirby Smart to avoid the Will Muschamp can't develop a quarterback thing, uh-huh. even as a defensive-minded guy. He would like it if Jamie Newman could live up to the potential. That's a different story for a different time. Yeah.
1: Team. Um, the John Rice public thing, I remember him coming out of high school and I thought I was going to hate him because it, like, I, I remember seeing a picture of him and his hair and just his just everything about him. I was like, oh my God, this is the most plays piano. Oh. Does he play piano? Oh, yeah. He 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 looked, His name is John Rice Plumley. His picture alone, he looks like the most Ole Miss quarterback ever. He's a good looking dude. He he's like he's got like this like blonde hair and this like smirk smile. But they had they had him do the picture, the Bo Jackson picture with the baseball bat. Yep, Jerry Neely did both. the same thing too. Jerry and did do the same thing. I didn't mind it as much when Jerry Neely yeah. did it because Jerry and was projected to be a first round draft pick, uh, and it was a five star running back. So this was a little bit different than John Rice Plumley. Um, not to say John Rice Plumlee not a good baseball player, but I, I just I, I, I was kind of surprised by that. But he ended up being one of the most likable guys in the SEC.
0: I agree. Good for him, too, for impressing yeah. Rich Rod enough to be able to play as a true freshman. That was just such, a pop, yeah. such a popular topic of discussion last year. How is Matt Corral going to fit into Rich Rod's system? Matt Corral went to SEC media days, and yeah. pretty soon best into dressed. that season. Yeah, he was best dressed. That's a good point. Pretty soon into last season, we were like, hey, John Rice Plumley really needs to be the guy. Yeah. Um, the breakout performers in this game.
1: Seamless transition.
0: <laughs> Elijah Moore. Now, <laughs> I realize I realize he was Ole Miss's go-to receiver coming into this game, but still only a sophomore, relatively young. Yeah. Elijah Moore became a household name in this game.
1: In the worst way. In the oh worst possible goodness.
0: way. And it's a shame because good player. Good player who's yeah. who's coming back for Ole Miss and is is going to be relied on a lot, I think, in Lane Kiffin's offense.
1: Good kid, didn't deserve necessarily. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't want to say he didn't deserve all the flack he got, but he. I mean, this this young man, he changed the landscape of of SEC football, or at least football in the state of the, in the state of Mississippi for for a while.
0: Forever. I mean, there's yeah. there's no way to to say it other than that. Also, a Georgia commit who. Flipped, flipped, to Ole Miss on signing day. Actually, he did that as well. Um, he actually had a really good sophomore year. Kirby as well. wanted to use
1: him as a putter. <laughs> no, no, don't think. not I don't think
0: he asked him to blue shirt. I don't, I'm pretty sure he didn't. But he steps into this number one role after AJ Brown and DK Metcalf left. Which I imagine, if you're coming off of your freshman season and you look at AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, you're like, wait a minute, yeah. I got to be the guy and the next guy at Ole Miss. That is not an easy thing to do. Van Jefferson, oh, by the way, another former Ole Miss receiver. I right. realize he wasn't there in 2018. But still, you're like, I have seen some serious talent in this yeah. program recently. And all of a sudden, I am asked to be the guy. The thing that he probably – I realize we're going to talk a lot about
1: the fake dog be celebration and all that. Old piss. There we go. <laughs> Old submissive is what my grandpa used to call him. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah.
0: Um, he probably should have realized that DK Metcalf also got flagged for that a couple of years yeah. ago, and that yeah. was something that people talked about for for a while. And it it was a one of those things that right away when it happened, you knew that he was going to be flagged. But yeah. it was a predetermined thing, obviously. Yeah, obviously. no doubt. And maybe maybe if he's a senior in that moment and he's kind of been through it before, he's not making that play. But you got to remember, this is this is a sophomore, and this is a kid who should have known better, obviously. But yeah. There were other things that Didn't. that he's that he's probably thinking about in that moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, ugh, man, like I, I love celebrating stuff. This just was not your best time to do it, sir. That's all. That's all. mackerel
0: came into this game and had the the potential game tying touchdown drive, which should have been the game tying touchdown drive. What people might forget though, that actually was, was right after he had thrown that interception too in the red yeah. zone. Yeah. To be able to put him back in the game. Six minutes left, Matt. Yeah. Um, What a missed opportunity for him as well because he probably plays in overtime in that game, I think, after leading that drive at the end. And he could have totally changed how how we're talking about him now. And maybe all of a sudden you have a quarterback controversy. Maybe there still is a quarterback controversy. I've seen some people say that John, John Rice Plumlee is going to be a great receiver in Lane Kiffin's offense. If you're saying that and you don't think Lane Kiffin can adjust to a quarterback, I think you're crazy. Yeah. But I, I think that Matt Corral played such a pivotal role, and he, he, his impact and how we remembered him for that late drive is sort of lost in the shuffle with all the craziness that happened.
1: Yeah, so that, that was like one of the saddest things for me to watch because, I mean, in comes Matt Corral, who's like a really good quarterback. And again, like th- it was weird to watch the, the arc of his season, I'll say, not career, because like he goes to, he goes to media days, which is a big deal. For a sophomore, I mean, to do freshman, that, that ne- yeah, yeah. Richard
0: Freshman never happens like that. Ever To
1: go to go be the, the guy and you're like, Wow, Matt is gonna be the quarterback this year and then all of a sudden John Rice Pullman just kinda starts taking over these games. I mean, he took over the Cal game. He flat out took over the Cal game. And and they they should have won that game and they, they didn't. They came up just barely short, uh, I don't know like a fourth down play, I think, inside the red zone. Um but regardless, like you you saw Matt Corral, you're like, Man, I don't know if this guy is the is the guy, like it's gonna take them to the next level, and I guess. And, and then he comes out in this game. Because because I remember, like, the line was Ole Miss was favored by, like, a point and a half. And I, I put, like, a lot of money on that. I was like, Ole Miss is going to win this game. It's not going to be close. Mississippi State's garbage. Remember and, going into the year, though,
0: it was something like a 17-point spread. And I said, "Yeah, I'm going to pick yeah. Ole Miss to win this game outright. I said that before the season even started. Right. And then that spread just
1: kind of kept coming down and, and kept down coming down, and down. Kept coming down. So, I remember watching this and – uh and him coming in, and it was like, oh my gosh! Like, like you, you thought he was going to rally the troops, And he has that, that terrible pick six. I mean, not pick six, terrible interception in the uh, in the red zone. Um, I think it was like picked off at like the six yard line. But that last drive, and watching Matt Corral do what he did, and come back, and and the thing is, there's so many what ifs for this game and for this kid in this moment. Like you brought the the uh, overtime thing. He also scored a touchdown. I thought should have been over, should have been overturned, or at least like a pass interference should have been called yep. on the play before the actual mm-hmm. touchdown. So if that happens and, and, and Moore doesn't catch the, the touchdown pass and wobble himself on all fours over to the corner to go take a pee, then what happens?
0: There are a lot of great what ifs that we will, we will explore later, I promise. Matt Corral is going to be an Egg Bowl legend, even if he doesn't ever play another game for Ole Miss. And I know he said that he's, yeah. he's staying with the Lane Kiffin era, and I'm not saying that the kid's going to transfer. I'm saying if he does, though, what an epic two Egg Bowls that that kid had. For Considering real, what he was a part of, that brawl, and then a year later through the touchdown pass that changed the college football landscape. The 4th and 24. Another thing that I, I want to dig into in, in a little bit here. Let's first go to the prominent extras, Rich Rod. I just want to know your thoughts on Rich Rod's wife for not
1: wanting to live in Alabama. I cannot thank you enough, Rita. I mean, I cannot thank you enough. that story, there was actually a really good story. That ESPN came out with a while ago. Of I think Chris Lowe wrote it in between his "How long until Saban retired?" Yep. Tweet, or comments. But uh, it was really interesting. And he and he 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 has a good enough sense of humor, and and he's not as big of an like an ego driven ego maniac uh, that I that I thought. And he he made a comment, and he was like at Alabama for the Ole Miss game, and he was like, "Huh." Where's my statue? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about, coach? And he was like, they, they made the point, they he said, he's like, well, I mean, I, I would argue that I'm responsible for all five of the ones that Saban's won, and you're, he's not wrong. Tommy Tuberville,
0: like, the same thing.
1: I love it. Tommy Tuberville, an <laughs> idiot. I don't care how that sounds. I cannot believe he's running for office. Anyway, um, but, uh, God, I, I, you know what, you derailed me. Go ahead, just take over. I can't, I can't.
0: The bummer for Rich Rod and Mike McIntyre is both of those guys lost their jobs. As a yeah. result of, of how this played, as as a result of how this played out, and that was the thing that when all when the when the stat when at least when Matt Luke was fired, the big question was, are they going to be able to retain the staff? Rich Rod, John Rice, Plumley, that connection is just looks so good and looks so promising moving forward in that offense. It looks like he was really starting to take to it. Rich Rod's a free agent right now crazy yeah. as that sounds he is just sitting out there and
1: he was the mind in uh, the offensive mind in college football 2006
0: Man. 2007 right around yeah. that time
1: well and, and you got to think about this too in 2006 is when he so it was December 7th 2006 was when they announced uh, that he was going to be the head coach at Alabama and I remember I remember this vividly because I was leaving a Bob Seeger concert with my dad and my stepmom there we go um yeah here we go and uh and we were leaving there and we were walking outside of Phillips arena and I remember seeing a thing on ESPN that said Rich Rodriguez agrees to be the next head co- football coach at Alabama, and my dad was like, "Yep, that's that's the one. That's the guy we wanted. That's who we wanted." And I was like, "Is it?" And and then but like you got that, that West Virginia team was one game from the national championship the year before or the, the year after that, and the, and the numbers they were putting up, we kind of dug into it. When we talked about the Heisman thing with McFadden uh, in two thousand six. I mean, Slayton and Pat White were beasts. Slayton had like 1,800 yards rushing and like 18 touchdowns. Like he, he was, he was the offensive mind. And and then just it's it's so bizarre how I tell you what you think about. He went to Michigan and couldn't make it work there. Then he went to Arizona, and Arizona had Khalil Tate, and he couldn't make it work there. And you, you're sitting here thinking like, what what happened?
0: He had his moments. He did have yeah. his moments at time.
1: The Khalil Tate thing, though, I mean, Kevin
0: Sumlin played a part in kind of messing that yeah. up last couple years. But um, I think Rich Rod provided some of my favorite moments of 2019 at least just because when we got to make fun of him blowing up in the press box, oh my God, it was great, and it was there was always going to be at least one every game, and we had to do that over-under. That was fun yep. to be able to do that. Um, Mike McIntyre is at Memphis now, the D.C., I have no idea why Lane Kiffin did not do everything in his power yeah. to keep him on board. That makes no sense to me because no, I'll be no. honest, Ole Miss fans, I hated the defensive hires for Lane Kiffin staff. Chris Partridge and DJ Durkin, no, yeah. not sold on that. And I get that that they're they're on board because they're they're considered great recruiters. I've, I'll save you my my DJ Durkin rant. I'm not sure that Chris Partridge, who was a high school coach for Rashawn Gary about four years ago, is exactly Mm -hmm. the guy that should be the defensive coordinator. Not sure that he's the next Jeremy Pruitt. But I just thought Mike McIntyre did such a great job with that team. And this game reminded me of how so many times that defense was just in position to make plays. And they made it really difficult on Mississippi State. And we kept talking about that over the course of the year. The job that he did replacing Wesley McGriff there. I just thought Mike McIntyre was great at his job, and it kind of blows me away that he's a group of five defensive coordinator. I think he's too good for that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I thought he, he was probably the best part of that entire offensive or uh, entire coaching staff. <laughs> not Rich Rod. <laughs> not Rich Rod. He did good, he did some good things, but no, he was not the best part. The story arc, favorite line from the broadcast, Adam Amin. Oh, I cannot believe we don't have the
0: same one. Adam Mean is actually uh, so he went to he went to Valparaiso where my brother went. He was a few years ahead of him, so my brother's yeah. known about him for for a long time. And he's a good dude. He's a very good dude. Yeah. I actually reached out to him uh, on Twitter that. while watching this. I was like, "Hey, like you guys, like you guys handled this so perfectly. You're the right." you're the right broadcast team. I mean, it yeah. really, really was to have, it was him, it was Matt Hasselbeck, it was Pat McAfee, and it was Molly McGrath. <laughs> it was a great group to be able to, to call that game because they understood the moment. And Adam Amin is one of those voices, I think, in college sports that we watch and we become more glued to him, but he's not necessarily a household name yet in the way right. that some of the others are in this business. But so Adam Mean asked Matt Hasselbeck um, and, and Pat McAfee about their senior nights, and you know Hasselbeck has this story about you know they played in the snow, whatever. And then McAfee chimes in after, and he says, "Mine was also in a snowstorm. Had a blast. Kicked the ball far. Celebrated hard." And yeah. I was like
1: it celebrated hard.
0: It's like always. Wouldn't expect yeah. anything less. Pat McAfee was going to always have the best line of the broadcast,
1: right? So he had my best line, and it's it's funny because it was actually came right before this, and he said, um, "There was there was the bobbled punt, right? Like, like this, this, the punter for Ole Miss." Mm. I think it was, was it Ole Miss or State? State think think the old Miss Mississippi State. Mississippi State has a bobble punt. Mississippi State has the bobble punt and he he comes up and in the first thing out of Pat Mac's mouth goes, he goes, Athlete! <laughs> so and it, it made me laugh because we used to always, we used to always like, for whatever reason, like in college, especially like on the like baseball team, whenever we'd be doing something where we knew we looked stupid, we'd be like, Athlete alert! And like, and so used, so for him to go, athlete. And, and, and like, he fumbles a punt, and he has time to get the kickoff and doesn't kick it for some reason. Oh, and then, it's dumb. And, and tries to run and then gets, like, like I guess sacked, technically. I don't know what it would be called. And, and uh, what's his name? Hasselbeck just goes, that's not going to be good for the brand. No. Nope. I just nope. started dying. <laughs> and if you're unfamiliar with that, so Pat Mack has this whole thing, like, for the brand, for punters, for kickers, um, where he just like, does these, like, little salutes, basically, to to each uh, position since he was a punter in the NFL for years. It was, it was hilarious, and it was um, – And he just goes, athlete. And the other (laughs) other way, that's not going to be good for the brand. I love Pat McAfee on a broadcast.
0: I do. Yeah. I I don't always agree with, with everything, with everything he says. His podcast is, has gotten really, really big the last couple of years. An amazing career path that he is kind of following and stuff. But, Pat McAfee on a broadcast, he just makes it more interesting. And when he's not necessarily – because he did a lot of the Thursday night stuff as well. Yeah. And when he's not just the primary color guy and they have him as sort of the third guy and he's with his former teammate, Matt Hasselbeck, who we played with right. with the Colts, he's he's great. And some of the insights that he has learned to be able to provide – it it amplifies the game so much more, and I, yeah. I understand that people got a little bit sick of him on college game day. They're like, "Who is this guy coming in and you know doing what? the wave, jumping into the water at Baylor and all that stuff?" But yeah, I, if I, I think Pat McAfee in doses is is fantastic, and I think he yeah. is great for the sport. I think he's like
1: me. He's like he's great in doses. I always say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I was talking to CD about this at the end of last year, and he was like you got to stop reciting so many, so many stats that people don't care about. It's like You just go ahead and be yourself. Just be, be Pat Mack. And I was like, okay. There you go. I mean, I worked really hard on those stats. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the coldest take from the broadcast. Um, I, I gave Matt Hasselbeck credit, but here, not maybe the best look. So um, right before Ole Miss attempts that last drive with Matt Corral, he said what a lot of us were yeah. thinking. He really uh, did. He said, I don't know if I agree with this decision. I think if he's healthy, you've got to go with Plumlee in this situation. Right. We know what happens afterwards. And Matt Corral comes in and leads what should have been the game-time drive. Such yeah. a ballsy move, though. I can't get over that. Such a ballsy move in that moment because of what just happened with the ugly right. interception. And I understand that people would say, oh, well, Matt Corral is the better throwing quarterback. Of course you're going to have him in, the mo- in, that, in that spot there. But he, he had a terrible throw, just a terrible yeah. drive killing throw on that last play. And you didn't have to bring him in. With the timeouts that you get in college football, there was definitely a decision to be made about whether or not you should have brought in John Rice Plumley.
1: Yeah, agreed. It's, and that was my coldest take as well. Um, but I, I knew we were going to have the same coldest take on mm-hmm. that one just because it was so obvious. Yeah. So the other one I had was this. And Hasselbeck made the point, I think it was him, I mean, he said, John Rice Plumley and Jerry Ely are gonna have great baseball seasons this upcoming. Uh, oh, and I was like, oh no! I was like, gosh. Because obviously, with Corona, we were, we had to cancel. How did those guys not weeks?
0: see a pandemic coming? I know. Jeez, it's, it's
1: something that begs to be asked. Yeah.
0: Instead of the J- the Jadavian Clowney reminder that normal people don't play this game, I instead changed this to the Blake O'Neill reminder that normal people do play this game. Who is Blake O'Neill? You ask. I have never heard of that name. That sounds just like your your average dude. Blake O'Neill was the punter from Michigan State who yeah. fumbled the punt against Michigan, and that led to the scoop and score return in twenty fifteen as the the fi- you know as the, the clock ticked down. Michigan's most embarrassing loss, maybe ever, when Blake O'Neill dropped the ball on the punt. All he had to do was punt the ball oh, away. God. Michigan wins that That game. was the
1: same day as a uh, Bama Bama A and M twenty fifteen. I remember that because I was up in Dewey Beach, Delaware. I remember watching that, and I was like, "What?" Just it was like, like like to this day, that kid's reaction is. Mm. It, I think I've never felt more. Like I've, I've never felt for for a fan base more than that because it's just like, oh my god. Just take no, this take so the sack. Only, uh, anything the you do. The only thing that can't happen. Yeah. The only thing that can not happen. And it somehow happened.
0: In honor of that, in honor of Blake O'Neill, I chose old miss kicker Luke Logan for this. Now. Number 92. Good old number 92. He had attempted 92 extra points in his career up to that point. He had made 89 of them. Now I realize he's missed three. Okay, by you know, you just did some quick math there. But that's still like Steph Curry going to the free throw line.
1: Yeah. If
0: you consider the numbers well, there.
1: But you had to move the free throw line back to like half court.
0: You had to move the free throw line like to three point line, uh, to three-point line some. for Steph Curry, which is still a pretty high percentage shot. 35-yard kick. 35-yard yeah. kick. Any normal person, including myself, we would have crapped our pants in that situation.
1: Dude, I'll tell you. I mean, first off, once again, I've hit a 35-yard field goal. Out of spite. There's a 39 yard football out of spite. You're car- not right. You're not wrong. But I think if you didn't see this coming, Connor.
0: Oh, everybody saw point. it coming. Everybody saw it coming. But it was <laughs> just- if he if he makes that kick and if, if they go into overtime and lose in a normal way, I'm like I'm still coming away from that thinking, dang man, Luke Logan, ice in the veins. That that's a that's yeah. a clutch kick to be able to make an extra point in that spot.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I just and maybe it's, you know, not maybe, it probably is because I'm so jaded and beaten as a, as a man, uh, as an Alabama fan, to have seen so many missed mm-hmm. extra points. You just, I just saw this coming and I was like, there's no way. There's, just, I mean, there's no way! There's just, you're on the road, and, and I don't know what it was, especially on the, on the, the listen back on that thing. Hold on, we're going to go travel in here for a second, Connor. Um, but on the listen back, those cowbells seemed really loud. How in the world are you moving with a mic right now? Because I've got it attached to my body. It
0: extends that far? I didn't For those yeah. who, who don't know what's going on right now, Marlar just got up, stood up in his, in, in, his, uh, in his office, and walked over and got something while wearing an LSU hat, might
1: I add. Oh, I don't know why you had to bring that up. I did. Um, do you know what I just got? This is what made me more, like, more impressed than anything.
0: Oh! Okay, that was Wait worth without. getting up. That was definitely worth yeah, getting
1: up. There you go. Um, shout out to our friends at Junction Bell who sent me that last year with the STS logo imprinted on the side of it. The whole point I'm trying to make is like it was so loud. You're on the road. Like I mean that that was crazy. But yeah, you knew who's gonna miss that.
0: Did you have an example, uh, Jadavian Clowney? A reminder. Normal people don't play.
1: So the only one I would say is is uh, is I wouldn't say Jadavian Clowney. Um, the uh, the Matt the Matt. Um, why can't I think of his name? Matt Corral. No, talk- Matt Corral thing come off the bench. I don't know if you ever come off the bench, Connor. It's the worst. Always, the exclusively. Absolutely, exclusively off the bench. It's it's just it's the worst feeling to come in cold like that and to, and to, to make those kind of plays like he did was wildly impressive. It was
0: not enough. Not attention is going to be paid to that, and understandably so. Yeah. So I, I tweaked another one of our categories here. Instead of yeah. the instead of the Trent Richardson, I can't believe they didn't make it in the NFL because obviously. This game happened in 2019. These guys just some of them just got drafted. No, nobody on yeah. Ole Miss got I, drafted. I kept,
1: I kept the Trent one though. So but go ahead. Alright, I'm
0: I'm I'm interested yeah. to see where you go with this. So uh I instead did the Peyton Manning. I can't believe they didn't leave for the NFL. Oh, okay. So Kylan Hill and Errol Thompson were were my yeah. two choices for this. And I I didn't know this stat until I looked it up, and I should have known this when the announcement came that that Kylan Hill was indeed coming back to school, despite the fact that he had previously announced that he was going to be testing the NFL right. draft. Mike Leach has never had a running back drafted at either Texas Tech or Washington wow.
1: State. I, not great.
0: Not not ideal. Not ideal for Kylan Hill, who we we assume is going to be in a very different role in that offense yeah. in 2020. Errol Thompson also made the decision to come back. Surprising Errol because... Errol Thompson's been there since 1989. Forever, man, right? Like... I feel like that guy has been making making big time plays for the last six years. Yeah, um, Mike Leach has had two lineback he had two linebackers drafted at Texas Tech, both of them were seventh round Same picks. Year. Oh, okay, and then he had three defensive players drafted at Washington State, but none of them were linebackers.
1: So was one of his players Zach Thomas?
0: No. Okay. No, um, but okay. not great for Errol Thompson in this like trying to make it and you know and it's not it's not that Mike Leach has necessarily like total control over the defense or anything. Yeah. It's right. just that it's not necessarily prioritized and he hasn't been able to to have the defensive coordinators to come in where that's really been a strong point of his teams in the last 20 yeah. years. We can say that.
1: That's fair. Um so my player is this. <laughs> and I, I I want to start by saying that like I've always liked Ole Miss. Ole Miss was I've said this growing up was my third favorite team. Bama, Georgia Tech, Ole Miss. Uh I remember getting I remember one year for Christmas I asked specifically if I could get the same exact outfit because I had to do Cotillion crap, um, the same exact outfit that the that the uh, Olmus students wore. It was like a white collared shirt, khakis, and like a red, just a solid red tie. I wanted that same thing. That's what I wanted to wear for my cotillion classes I had to go to. It was the most olmus thing about me. So I, I want Ole Miss fans to know that this is not coming from a place of hate. That being said, the Trevor Richardson reminder of um, how do they not make it to the NFL? I'm gonna go with Leo Lewis. Okay Leo Lewis, and here's why. Olmus derailed their entire, their entire program on Leo Lewis and going after this kid um, as a as a recruit, right? He ended up not only going to their rival school, but he also went undrafted. And Olmus, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's <laughs> just but I think it's also hilariously funny. That the guy they went after so hard, so hard, to try and get, uh, man, that uh, that's what ended up happening. So there's was, that. was he a five-star recruit? No, he's like a four-star, high four-star. Okay, but I mean, like that'd be that'd be like if Albert Means from Bama went to Auburn and then went undrafted. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. The thing that you didn't know slash
0: remember until rewatching this. I had forgotten that they they announced before the game, and they definitely did not hold this up uh, for the first time in the ninety-two year history of the trophy. It was supposed to stay in the locker room, which they said was the result of last year's fight. I whatever due um, to lack of hustle. I, I, I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, Mississippi State still brought it on the field afterwards. Yeah,
1: but, you knew that was happening too. Yeah, the
0: Golden Egg was wasn't just gonna stay yeah. in the locker room. The locker room is like literally
1: on the field where Mississippi like Mississippi State's entire facility is like. All right, you, you walk out of the like of the locker room, and you're bam. There's the field. It's just right there. It's it's like it's because it's not. It wasn't like connected to the end zone forever, or like the what do you mm-hmm. call it? Like the, the lower bowl. I also have the bottle. The the
0: way that John Rice Plumlee was bottled up in this game. Yeah, I had kind yeah. of forgotten that Mississippi State really was all over him. I mean, Cam Dansler, yeah. Chauncey Rivers, Errol Thompson. They all blew up plays in the backfield. 18 carries for 34 yards in this game. I had I, forgotten about that. And I'd forgot about the, the Rivers forced fumble on Plumlee in yeah. the third quarter that Willie Gay recovered, which felt like a massive, massive play at that point in the game. Mm-hmm. And just a little bit of a reminder that John Rice Plumlee, as electric as he is, still kind of has to learn how to take care of the football.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Um, what I forgot was I forgot it was fourth and 24. I, like mm. I, and, and I remember it being fourth and long. I forgot it was fourth and 24 when they hit that pass. Okay, so let's
0: do that because I have that for my when the losing team blew it. Oh, by the way, real quick, John Rice plumbly overthrew somebody in this game. I kept waiting <laughs> for it, and I was like, I'm going to make sure that if it, if it indeed happened and it – that that I will make sure I will own up to it. John Rice-Pumley yeah. has overthrown somebody once in his life. It happened. Of Octavius Cooley, it was in the red zone late in the second quarter. So props to John Rice-Pumley for being able to do that. When the losing team blew it. If Mississippi State was going to lose that game, it was going to have nobody to blame but itself. Right. As the great Chris Stapleton would say, nobody to blame. Good. Yeah. Errol Thompson had the bobbled interception that probably should have had a second look from the booth. Yeah. thought that was close. But the bigger one, the more egregious one, as you just mentioned, it's fourth and 24. Ole Miss <laughs> is on their own 14-yard line, and there's 59 seconds left. You look at all three of those things, and you think as a Mississippi State fan, yep, we got this. Yeah. And yeah. nope, that's not what happened at all.
1: What was crazy about that was that it was still – you still had to go half the field.
0: And they did in one play, because for whatever reason, Braylon Sanders just sneaks past the Mississippi State secondary and is wide open. How does he get that open? (sighs) Meanwhile, there's probably Tennessee fans who are watching that play with Bob Shoup, thinking to themselves, this is just like 2017, the Hail Mary with Felipe Franks. How in the world, Bob Shoup, do you continue to let these people get beyond your secondary? This shouldn't happen.
1: Yeah, agreed. I I have no idea. No idea. I also forgot that right before this,
0: Corral should have had a free play. And it would have been a touchdown. It was a great hard count that he had once they got into the red zone. And he hits Braylon Sanders in the end zone it, on, yeah. on that fourth and four. And the refs rule off sides. And that, that, that guy was unevaded to the quarterback, which was a terrible call.
1: Awful call. I've never seen that. I've never seen that happen. I They, they, rule, they, they rule it dead. Because he was coming unabated to the quarterback. Like, there was nobody in between him and the quarterback. I've never seen that called in my life. Oh, it
0: gets called. I, it gets called. It definitely gets called. But in that spot, it not was. Not in
1: that spot. Not when, in when that he, spot. When, yeah. when he hits a touchdown. Like, in that moment when you're in, it's like, there's less than a, a couple. He hit the fourth and he hit the fourth and 24 with 54 seconds to go in the game. I, I mean, there was hardly any time left off. I think it was like 11 seconds when this happened. Like, how do you do that?
0: He also had. Refs, man. It was not great. It was not great. He also had that rollout with 12 seconds left. Corral has this dude wide open. It was a fullback or a tight end. It was something like that. He was just sitting there in the flat. And Willie Gay, who was really good all day, gets his hand up. And that was the only thing that prevented this touchdown from happening. It would have been a walk-in touchdown Mm. and a potential opportunity to tie the game. Why are we bringing up these possibilities of other touchdowns happening if Ole Miss still scored a touchdown and had a chance to tie this game? Would have been a different celebration. Yeah. That's the issue. Okay. Is it time? Yeah. It's time. Okay. So, no timeouts. Nine seconds left for Ole Miss. It's third and goal on the two. Mississippi State sends an all out blitz, and Corral hits Elijah Moore. And he's sandwiched at the goal line, but he finds a way to squeeze into the end zone. It's 21 to 20, extra point pending to potentially tie the game and force overtime. <coughs> Excuse me. You're blessed. Elijah Moore crawls into the end zone, <laughs> crawls to the back of the end zone, and he busts out the fake dog beat. Instant flag. The ref is right there. Right yeah, he's there.
1: Like, oh, okay, can't do that.
0: Not good. Not good. Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee lets out this, oh, like this noise where he just all of a sudden, yeah. he like, you could tell Pat McAfee is just picturing what this is like on the kicker to, right. to have to go through this. And then he says, just a guttural disapproval. <laughs> Big time extra point here. Um, and the awkward thing, too, watching this back, Elijah Moore is on the sideline. He's got the N.W.L. belt, nasty wideouts. Right. And you can tell he's nervous. He is freaking nervous. He's looking up at the scoreboard, and he he's, he's panicked. He's not doing the typical celebrating yeah. on the sideline. I'm fired up. He's probably just gotten chewed out by the coaches a little bit. And then Luke Logan. Bless his heart, Luke Logan. Oh, he's just staring up. They do a close-up of him. They did like the end zone shot where you, you zoom in on Luke Logan's face. And as they're backpedaling and they're moving the, the, the spot back, he looks nervous. He looks noticeably yep. nervous. And then Ole Miss tight end Octavius Cooley goes up to Logan. And then Logan kind of nods at him and gives him this look like, I got this, man. No, I'm good. I'm yeah. good.
1: <laughs>
0: and from 35 yards away, he pushes it wide right. And it would have been good from the normal distance. There's oh, no doubt. doubt. No There's doubt. no question about that. But he pushes it. Um, you, you see him just collapse. And then uh, pandemonium ensues. Starkville loses its mind.
1: I, I mean, everything you just said is so painstakingly accurate I just I don't even know what to say it, like he shouldn't have been put in that situation ever not once He should have never been put in that situation um he was put in that situation though and oh my god, it just from watching it back it was even more it was even more upsetting the second time for for if you're an Ole Miss fan
0: it's one of those things that you just don't believe can ever really happen until it does. No. Yeah. You just, you've never seen anything quite like that before. And as I said earlier, if you're standing on your feet in these moments as a neutral observer on, right. on Thanksgiving, nonetheless, yeah. that speaks to the magnitude of, of what happens. And they even said after this, this is, this is all happening and this wild scene is unfolding – there's flags everywhere. Everywhere. Mississippi State players everywhere. are just all over the field. And I can't even imagine the things that were being said in that moment. And it's, it's probably better that this game was at Mississippi State because yeah. it allowed the, the crowd to really feel like it was part of this and for them to be able to celebrate in this. Whereas right. if this had happened at Ole Miss, it's just the visiting sideline, sideline going nuts and it's this cringeworthy moment of watching all of these home fans stunned in amazement at what just unfolded. Because, yes, you would ideally like your kicker to be able to make that from 35 right. yards away. But the fact that he doesn't, it just is the ultimate kick to the nuts to realize that yeah. season is ending to our rival in that way. Not going and to a game. And everybody just saw it. Yeah. It's on national TV and we're gonna hear about this forever.
1: Forever. For, so, and that's I tell you what, that is the worst part. And somebody that had to watch the kick six, I said it I said it when it happened, and I and I it pisses me off to this day. There's not a play in history that is more noticeable or, or re- more recognizable than the kick six. Everyone's seen it a million times. And and everyone, everyone thinks it's funny. Everyone brings it up. I, I know the second 26 thing for Georgia fans, sure. That's not even close to being the same as kick six, because everybody, everybody was, was watching that, and everybody wanted one team to win. And to watch this happen to Ole Miss fans, it was like, oh, my God. There, there's, ne- there's never a time they're going to show the Egg Bowl, and this isn't going to be a part of it.
0: There are a few moments as a fan where all you want to do is just stay off the Internet for the foreseeable yeah. future. And, and it's one of those things where the second it comes on, you flip the channel everybody knows those moments and you wonder when it's going to be safe to come on the internet again. Yeah. And depending on who you're friends with and if you live in that state, you live, eat, breathe that rivalry. I don't know if, if that time has passed. I I don't know because until another game is played, there's, there's nothing that's going to replace that memory. Right. Ever. So we have to get to this. This is, this is up there with the Manziel one that we just did a few weeks ago as the most yeah. interesting what would have happened afterwards if the result was flipped. So let's say the kick goes in. Ole Miss wins that game in overtime. You have to go through all these things that happened afterwards. Ole Miss might not have fired Matt Luke, but uh, that's that's debate. Uh, Ole Miss fires Matt Luke as a result of this game, yeah. right? If that doesn't happen, Lane Kiffin doesn't leave Florida Atlantic. And come back to the SEC or maybe he goes to Mississippi State because Moorhead is fired right after losing this game. Willie Taggart doesn't go and accept the Florida Atlantic job. Mississippi State doesn't play in a bowl game.
1: So many lives. Willie
0: Gay does not punch Garrett Schrader. That never happens. No, that never happens. Joe Moorhead maybe then isn't fired at Mississippi State. No, I there's know. no way he's fired. Mike Leach doesn't leave Washington State to go to Mississippi State. Um, Nick Rolovich doesn't leave Hawaii to go to Washington State. He was the head coach at Hawaii at the time. Todd Graham never gets the Hawaii job. So you have Ole Miss, Mississippi State, FAU, Washington State, and Hawaii all have head coaching shakeups as a direct result of a dude doing a fake pee in the end zone.
1: Think about that. It's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) I tell you what, my, my favorite thing from all this, though, was the the viral memes and moments that came from after it, because I was, I mean, that's like what my job is for the most part anyway, is is like social media stuff. And the Miss PAT mm. was, oh my God, There was just so many good moments. So many good moments.
0: There's other stuff too. If you recall, Joe Judge was somebody that Mississippi State targeted oh, very yeah. much. And had Mississippi State lost this game and Joe Moorhead gets fired, he becomes their obvious target and is probably the favorite to win that job. The Giants never get him. Maybe they swing harder for Matt Rule. And Matt Rule goes back to New York. Joe Judge goes back home to Mississippi State. So it yeah. in, it definitely impacted two NFL jobs as well because I of mean, the timing of it. Yeah. Other thing to remember. Keith Carter was hired full-time as the AD six days earlier. Ross, yeah. Ross Bjork went to Texas A&M in the middle of – I think it was – yeah, it was the middle of summer – That he went and replaced Scott Woodward, who left for LSU. For LSU. Yeah. He had given Matt Luke this major vote of confidence. But in prime time, Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving night, his program is the butt of the joke. This first-time athletic director fires a coach in atypical fashion three days after the fact. And I felt like at the time, public perception really had a big part in this. Yeah, sure. If this game is played Saturday at noon or if they just lose this game in normal fashion in overtime, just a normal way, maybe, maybe Matt Luke keeps his job. Now yeah. he was asked about this. Keith Carter obviously was asked about whether or not this played a part in it. And he said that it wasn't just this, that it wasn't just, oh, I saw what happened and I, that's the only reason I made the decision. But he said it was definitely a factor. It was a factor. Yeah. And it was an exclamation point. And he said, he had this this quote where he said, people want to support, but we lost some of that luster. That, to me, says, look, our fans were not having it. And in order to get a win for this program, and in order to get some of this momentum back, the momentum that I felt like we should have had in this first year without these sanctions, we had to fire this guy and go look in a new direction and try and make a big splash. And that's what they did, but at the time, it felt very reactionary
1: because it, it, well, it was reactionary it was reactionary and, and again and, and i think i think having lane kiffin is a is a we'll see we'll see if it's a good fit because he didn't do much at tennessee he didn't do much at, he, he got fired on the tarmac at, at uh at, at, at southern cow hiring him was was great for a pr standpoint because people know his name and they like him they, they like his twitter persona but what what will piss me off about this forever about matt luke is I understand Ole Miss fans are close to the situation. They went to school there, and they've, they've been watching this yep. longer than I have. Sure. That guy was a was a starter on your football team. He gave everything he had at that university. He was a coach there forever and ever and ever after that. They, they, he did everything he was asked to do for that university. And in a moment of embarrassment, it seemed like you kind of let him go because you didn't think your football program was where it, where it was or where it should be. Because the last guy who came in and cheated and brought a bunch of five stars in that you've never had in your entire life gave you something that you wanted for two straight years or three straight years, get over yourselves. I mean, it's, it's I I, I love I love Oxford, I love Ole Miss, but the, I, the Matt Luke thing pisses me off so much because that's a guy that, that it meant more for him to be a coach there in the same way that it meant more for Ed, Coach O to be the coach at LSU. He, he's he's from that state, or I'm pretty sure he's from that state. He he went to that school and he played football for you at your school. He's given everything he has at university, and you guys got mad and wanted to go hire Lane Kiffin because it's a splash hire. Get get over yourselves. Players love that guy. Players absolutely players love, love that. that guy. Yeah,
0: and that was the thing that the the big divide and what players were so frustrated about is that they found out via Twitter, and to find out three days after when a lot of these kids have already gone back for a holiday weekend, and it's yep. not like you you said. You said on Friday morning, "Hey, look! Before you guys head out of town, we're going to make a decision here." So I remember John Rice Plumley wasn't even—he he was still driving back, and they were asking all yeah. these kids to, to come back after after the weekend and stuff. And he wasn't <laughs> even there for the meeting. <laughs> You've had three sneezes this podcast. You doing all right, man? Hard ones. I'm, Jeez. I'm, I
1: emotionally know. Um, no. No, I mean you're right. They, the way they handled it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad, and, and like, and again, you guys like. The people that have defended this, the people that have defended the most, and said like, well, you know, the good news is that we got Lane Kiffin out of this. Let's not kid ourselves. Lane Kiffin is not a proven head coach. Everywhere he's been a head coach, he has failed. It's a great hire. It's a splash hire. But the guy that you had, Matt Luke, and I know he didn't do a great job up to your up to your standards. That guy had to go into living rooms, as he illustrated several several times over. For the first time ever this past year, was he was able to finally go into living rooms like, hey, we're not on probation anymore. We don't have this cloud of judgment hanging over us the NCAA that you guys and the coach you had put in place and you celebrate them for it.
0: A couple other things. Jason Kirk wrote this great piece for banner society. Uh, by the way, shout out to all those writers over there. I yeah. feel bad for the way that that all it's played tough. out. Brutal, brutal wish them, wish them nothing but the best. No, a lot of those guys are so talented. They're going to bounce back on their feet. Yeah. No doubt about it. Guys and girls, I should say the uh, Matt Luke firing it also had this impact in a different way that maybe we don't necessarily take into account as much. UGA had to replace Sam Pittman and yeah. was able to do so with, with an SEC head coach. And if they yeah. don't make this move, you know, then who knows what UGA is doing. And we're talking about the big turnover that they have. And being able to bring in somebody like Matt Luke was really important for Kirby Smart. The irony of all of this was that Mississippi State, by virtue of earning a bowl bid, Earned the SEC an extra $2.7 million, $2.75 million. That split 14 ways. So Mississippi State making a bowl game made Ole Miss 200 grand. Yeah. Which is funny in itself. Um, yeah. Joe Moorhead got a $75,000 bowl bonus as well. <laughs> and then afterwards, he got a $7 million buyout for getting fired. Yeah. But much like the punch wasn't. Or much like the the fake dog pee wasn't the only reason that Matt Luke, Matt Luke was fired, the Willie Gay Garrett Schrader incident wasn't necessarily the only reason that Joe Moorhead yeah. was fired, but it did give those athletic directors a reason to say, "Look, you don't have control of the program the way that I no, thought you, you did." And that's that right. was the issue from a perception standpoint that was working against Moorhead and what that to think of of the possibility of him. You know, if he could go back and do it, obviously he'd say, "Yeah, no, I'd still want to win that game. Why wouldn't I?" Right. But who knows how all that stuff plays out because the timing of it was was weird because Mississippi State was looking in the second week of January, and that's what the, allowed them to really zero in on Mike Leach. But that whole coaching search was it was wild because they were cons- they were considering NFL names and they were trying to figure out who is who's available to take this vacancy in the middle of January, and that was something that. Was a result of them waiting to see how this all played out in the bowl season and yeah. the bowl absolutely and everything that happened in the Music City Bowl absolutely led to Joe Moorhead's firing.
1: Yeah. And so and the thing with, with Moorhead again, he didn't get fired because of what he said in the press conference, but when he said, but what he said, well, kind of what he said in the press conference of "that's my locker room, that's my team, blah blah,", blah it goes a long way in showing that you n- you might not have the best, you might not have the most. Uh, control over that locker room. If there's somebody, your quarterback's getting punched in the mouth the week of the bowl game. Yeah. So anyway, let's wrap it up.
0: Wish Joe Mo nothing but the best at Oregon? He's yeah, gonna of
1: play. course, man. Good dude. Gonna go. Gonna go uh, attend a game this year at Eugene, right? Are you? We got the open invitation. Um, no, probably not. But if you if you ever want to be invited back to this house again, <laughs> you will not go to Eugene, Oregon. You idiot, <laughs> Allie Ali already heard you. What was it? What was it? She said. She said something about. It. She heard you say something about Eugene, Oregon, like on one of the podcasts, and she was like, "That mother." Mm.
0: Oh, if if I hate Portland, I'll hate Eugene even more.
1: Oh, that's yeah. That's without a doubt, man. Yeah. That's without a doubt. Eugene is like the. Well, it, you you made the comment about like. Everyone's trying to sell you marijuana leaves or something. Like I didn't say that. No 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 no, 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 no. Come on, don't make me out like the, the biggest fool the Eugene is like world. the most hippy, hippie, like pothead area ever. Yes, with yeah, a
0: Nike store. Is. The play or image that we'll always remember when thinking of this—that is the easiest question to answer. It's yeah. It's obviously Joe Moore had flexing after. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's the Elijah Moore picture that has been seen by so many people. I think hey. If they were willing to make the golden egg, the the trophy, dude, I'm just saying, somebody out there, make this just so that every year, maybe like every year Mississippi State wins wins the Egg Bowl. Yeah, this gets to stay on the Mississippi State trophy mantle, so to speak. I'd be down for that. Yeah, just somebody, somebody make that. Um, if there's a, any trophy shop owners um, yeah. let, that listen to the podcast, let us know. We will sponsor it. Whatever, we'll, we'll make it happen. I realized when I asked you before that I said that there were two teams that we've yet to do for Just Meant More. There are actually three. I forgot that we had not done a Mizzou game yet.
1: Oh, we should do Mizzou-Georgia
0: 2013. That might be a good one to circle back to. Um, in fact, just you saying it, I'm, I'm talked into it. So I, I think that's okay. the next one yeah, that we're yeah. going to have to do. So we still have Mizzou. Yeah. We still have Vandy. We'll think of some,
1: we'll think of some though. There's probably yeah, with Vandy, I don't know what we're going to do for Vandy, but...
0: James we'll Franklin era. We'll figure that out. We will get yeah. to it. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed this. Maybe even Ole Miss fans enjoyed this. Probably um, not. I gave, I gave them a, a talking to. <laughs> hope everybody enjoyed Casual Friday as well. And we're going to have a lot of great content this week. We're going to have three podcasts a week. Till the foreseeable yeah. future. Marlar is wearing his Bama mask right now.
1: Shout out Dana Jackson, who made me a Bama mask. And one for Allie, too, for, uh, to wear for COVID. That was really nice. Appreciate that.
0: When you wear that right now, you're wrapping three different teams. You've got LSU, the Atlanta Hawks, and Bama. So, <laughs> you you just like sports. Go beeves. All right, that was fun, Matt Luke. I ask you humbly, what do we need to remember?
1: Connor, I gotta pee. So I mean, it might be too much. <laughs> Talk to you guys soon. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week.